So Money Episode 693, Abby Walker, CEO of Vivian Liu and author of Strap on a Pair. You're listening to So Money with award-winning money guru, Farnoosh Torabi. Each day, get a 30-minute dose of financial inspiration from the world's top business minds, authors, influencers, and from Farnoosh herself. Looking for ways to save on gas or double your double coupons? Sorry, you're in the wrong place. Seeking profound ways to live a richer, happier life? Welcome to So Money. Do you feel like you're quarter-assing your way through life and work? Welcome back to So Money, everyone. I'm your host, Farnoosh Tarabi. Our guest today is Abby Lou Walker. She's a former corporate executive turned entrepreneur. Her pivot came as she discovered she was unfulfilled at work and taking her stress and her disappointment home to her family, where she was the mom of two young children. And she describes it as quarter-assing her way through work and life, never feeling like she was really successful in either realm. So Abby turned to a creative outlet for some release, blogging about shoes for just an hour per week. It's all she could handle. And it was while blogging that she made a chance discovery about an untapped market and the rest, as they say, is history. Today, Abby is the CEO of Vivian Liu. It's a seven-figure company that creates comfortable insoles for high-heeled shoes. She's also the author of the new book, Strap on a Pair, a middle-aged, middle-management, middle-class mom's quest for something more. Abby talks about how she overcame some of her personal limiting beliefs around earning money, why she used to equate being rich to being an absent parent, and the financial benefits of a practice called EFT. And stay tuned till the end where we're going to share a special code, coupon code, where you can receive 25% off a pair of Vivian Liu insoles. Ahead of that, though, here is the fantastic Abby Walker. Abby Walker, welcome to So Money. Great to have you on the show and congratulations on your new book, Strap on a Pair. I want to talk all about that. Awesome. Thank you. So glad to be here. Strap on a pair. Subtitle is a middle-aged, middle-management, middle-class mom's quest for something more. I think that that is so many people out there, not just women, dads and and men too, feeling kind of stuck, right? Like there's got to be more out there for me. And that was you years ago. So take us back to that moment when you identified as this person, this middle-aged, middle-management, middle-class mom that wanted more. What, 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 tell us about your life back then, like describe it for us so that we can visualize exactly what, why this was bothering you so much. Sure. So um, it, it all kind of came to a head in 2012. And I had spent the last uh, probably 12, you know, 12 to 15 years climbing the corporate ladder. Like that was my mission in life was to make it um, climbing up the corporate ladder. Um, I had married a great man. I had two wonderful children. Um, and I felt trapped. Like I woke up one day and I was like, I am trapped in my good life. And, um, 
honestly, I felt like I was quarter-assing my way through life. Like I was quarter-assing being a mom, quarter-assing being a wife, quarter-assing being a corporate employee, and quarter-assing being myself. And I felt like I had no passion left. Like I was so used to going through the motions and going through the grind that I like woke up one day and I was like, I have zero passion for life. And it really bothered me. (laughs) So um, one of the things that I've always loved is high heels. And so I determined one day that I just needed a creative outlet. And I started a blog called Mama's Shoes. And uh, I had no intention of monetizing the blog. It literally was just an escape for me. I wrote an hour a week, usually on a Saturday or the Sunday when the kids were taking their nap. And it was just fun to write about products and shoes and trends and all that kind of stuff. And I had a whole whopping 36 followers. <laughs> so Got to start somewhere. Um, it got to start somewhere. And, uh, you know, honestly, like I said, I wasn't doing it for anyone other than myself. Um, and it just, it, it made me feel alive again. Um, and, uh, Fast forward two years, and I had published a blog post um, featuring these products that were designed to reduce inflammation and alleviate pain for women who wear high heels. Um, Great in concept, and I was so excited to share them, and so I pushed publish. And uh, after I published the blog post, I was like, well, let's see what's really in these in terms of ingredients. And at the time, I worked for um, a natural well-being company that formulated holistic products. So I'd become acutely aware of some of the nasty ingredients in some of our beauty products. And it turns out a lot of these products featured um, lidocaine, which is the numbing agent that dentists use. And... Um, you know, wearing high heels is hard enough. You don't necessarily want to numb your feet when you're doing so. Um, I think that's just a recipe for disaster. And so I was like, oh, shoot. Um, You know, I loved these products in concept, but not in reality when I looked at the ingredients. And uh, it was kind of this this defining moment for myself because I was like, well, what are you going to do about it, Abby? And I determined that I was going to formulate my own foot spray. And uh, I knew nothing about product formulation. I knew nothing about natural ingredients besides the fact that I was marketing these products. Um, that was my my corporate job at the time. But uh, so I hired a clinical herbalist and a naturopathic doctor, and we formulated this amazing foot spray that reduced inflammation and alleviated pain without totally numbing your foot using all organic material. It was phenomenal. So um, I considered it liquid gold, but we could only, because it was all natural, we could only formulate, or excuse me, only manufacture it on a small scale. We couldn't mass manufacture it. And I didn't have enough capital at the time to throw at manufacturing a small batch product. Um, Meanwhile, so, you've kept your day job, right? Correct. Oh, yeah. I <laughs> was still working sure. full time. <laughs> yes. Still wow. working full time, still raising two young kids, um, still managing the Walker household. Um, and was, but I had this like burning desire inside of me, like I needed to do this to, to, to feel alive. And, uh, you know, I had attached these dreams of escaping corporate America to this foot spray and it had just, it fell apart because we weren't able to get it off the ground. But I continued to do market research. And I swear I had typed in how to alleviate, you know, high heel pain probably a million times into that Google window. <laughs> but I felt determined to do it one more time in April. This was April of 2014. And a result popped up where two women were talking about this insole called Insolia. And they swore by it saying that it alleviated all of their pain when wearing heels because it shifts the weight off the forefoot to the heel. And you know, I was like, why have I never heard of this product? I wear high heels every day. I write a shoe blog. I do research on high heels. And 
something inside of me told me that I needed to find out more. And so this is so unlike me, but I actually picked up the phone and called the chairman of the company (laughs) and asked him simply why I had never heard of his product. And his response was, we're a bunch of MIT engineers trying to market this product to women and we're having trouble getting it off the ground. And, uh, you know, he had, he was saying how they were looking to exit the direct to consumer market. They had pivoted their company and was now, they were now manufacturing insoles that get manufactured into shoes. And, uh, as he was talking, it was almost as if like he was suggesting he was going to give up on this product. And I was like, you can't give up on it. So I, um, he sent me samples. I loved them. And I got back to him and I was like, look, I'll take, um, in my spare time being a full-time working mom, I will help you market this product and just take a cut of incremental sales. Can you just stop for a second? Did you call him? Sure. Did you, cause I want to go back to when you, when you found his number and called this guy, was yep. it his like cell phone number? Did he pick up right away? Was it some phone tag for a while or how did that manifest? So it, it literally was a, I, um, I, at the time worked from home, but I had a corporate job, a full-time job. It was in the middle of the day during my lunch break. And I sent him an email via the contact us on his website. And he sent me an email back within two hours. And we had set up time to chat later that afternoon. I mean, literally it was like instantaneous response. And you're just like, hi, I'm Abby Walker. I, uh-huh. I, I'm obsessed with shoes. I, why haven't I heard about your product before? Let's talk. That's it. I was like, I'm a, I cool. write about shoes. I wear high heels. I am totally intrigued by your product. Um, I'd love to set up a time to chat. And um, I think, it, you know, this product, he designed this in partnership with um, a podiatrist and they fully believed in this product. They had done so much research. They had done so many scientific studies that they were kind of at a loss as to why it wasn't taking off. And um, so I think. And why wasn't was, it taking it off? Why wasn't it taking off? Because they just weren't hiring the right marketing. Well, you were a CMO, so you had probably so many ideas for them, but was right. that what was lacking? Was just a good marketing strategy? Yeah. And they, um, at one point they had, um, sold the, these over the counters in CVS and Walgreens. So at one point they had mass distribution, but they, um, the insoles are coming four different sizes. And both of those distribution channels came back and said, we only want one size. Can't you quote unquote, dumb it down like all of the other insoles where it's one size fits all. Cause I didn't want to carry four SKUs and they refused to luckily. And so, um, they lost their mass distribution and were looking to do similar to what I'm doing now, where it's just an online distribution channel, direct to mar- direct to consumer. And they didn't have the marketing bandwidth or power behind them to, to get it off the ground. And so, so I so, think literally he was just as desperate to talk to me as I was to talk to him because he wanted, he wanted this product to take off and be successful. So you basically found your next career path by toying with a pastime, a passion, your shoes, doing that blog, being really curious, being brave, like you said, doing something that you never would have normally done, call this guy, cold call, cold email. Just be really curious, really. I keep going back to this curiosity that you have that has led you to so much more as you talk about your book, like how to get get to that more place. And even when you guys connected – it required you to think ahead and say, this is what I could do for you. So 
Um, what is the lesson there, I guess? And you probably talk about this in your book that opportunities don't just knock on your door. You literally have to go find the opportunity and then tell that opportunity what it's going to look like for you in your life. So true. And, you know, I talk about it in my book. I, I literally had this burning desire in my gut to do something different and to do something more. I had no idea what that looked like. And if you would have asked me, um, if I would be running my own company and selling my product on live national television one day, I would say, heck no, that is so outside of my comfort zone and who I am as a being. I cannot foresee myself doing that. But there was just this desire to to do something different with my life. And so I just kept taking little steps every day toward that something more. And I had no idea. I still don't know what that something more is. I know my journey will continue to, to grow beyond what it is now. It's just being curious, like you said, curious enough to listen to those little whispers or those burning desires inside of you, taking one little step every single day, and then operating just outside of your comfort zone. So I think that is so incredibly important um, not to be comfortable and say, oh, that's so unlike me. Oh, what if he says no? What if you know he doesn't pick up the phone? What if he doesn't answer my email? Um, there's so many what ifs, but you can flip that around and be like, what if he does answer? What if, you know, right, be you ready. are present? Exactly. And so oftentimes I say yes to things without fully thinking them through. That can be both a bad thing and a good thing, but it has lead, led to more opportunities than if I would have been like fully thought them through. Like I had no idea what would come of me offering to take a cut of, you know, helping him to market the product and taking a cut of incremental sales. That to me was a golden opportunity. I had no idea how I was going to do that being a full-time working mom, but I knew I needed to do that. Turns out he came back and said he wasn't interested in that arrangement and he gave me so much more. He offered me the exclusive opportunity to become the exclusive distributor of this product in the United States and Canada. And as of last summer, I'm now the worldwide distributor. Distributor wow. of this product. Yeah. Vivian so, Liu, I just want to tell everyone the company's called Vivian Liu. Yes. And it earns we we have three million annually, but maybe there's an update there too with that with that sales number. Yeah, so we closed 2017 with just shy of, of um, $3 million in um, annual revenue. And um, we're actually, we just launched on Sunday a new product and are slated to launch another product, if not more, later this year. So um, we're on a growth trajectory, which is phenomenal. We're, I'm so excited. So congratulations. Yeah. That's huge. Well, and thank then, you. And then along the way, you've also built quite the community of other women who want to follow in your footsteps, no pun intended. It, is that a pun? It's more just like a play on words. <laughs> it's more of a play on words. But tell us about, since writing the book, Strap on a Pair, what the community has been telling you, what has, and you've changed lives, right? I know yeah. you have. Well, it's been, it's just been such a phenomenal journey. And I'll tell you, um, I, again, I go back to this burning desire. For some reason, there was something um, lit up inside of me early last year where I felt compelled to tell my story um, and share, honestly, all the high highs of entrepreneurship and all of the low lows of entrepreneurship. Um, my journey has just been absolutely crazy and wonderful and scary and you know all of those, um, just like any other entrepreneur. But I really wanted to shine a light on the true struggles that people go through. And a lot of them, um, 
our personal struggles too. So while my journey has been phenomenal, it just kind of looking at it from a highlight reel standpoint in terms of company growth and the exposure the product has received and manufacturing an exclusive line for the Home Shopping Network. But beyond that, I think the story that I'm most proud of is how I've changed as a person. And I think my personal growth is is just as um, rich of a story to tell as the the company growth. And so I wanted to show those both in a story and show um, both women and men who feel quote unquote trapped in the good life that you don't have to know the end to take your first step. And all you have to do is take one teeny step every single day and be curious about where you want to go. And it can lead to these tremendous things. So I wrote the book. um, I started writing it in April of last year and actually finished it um, in May of last year and published it in October and have had some just phenomenal feedback from women. Um, one woman decided to run for mayor of her company after reading my book, <laughs> or a mayor of her city um, after reading my book. One woman um, who had all of the credentials to become a baker and open up her own bakery, but was kind of intimidated by the thought she is taking her first steps toward living out that dream. Um, and other women, um, who are in corporate America and don't have any necessarily desire to leave corporate America, but they're reevaluating how they structure their lives and how they attribute success in corporate America to their self-worth and how that doesn't necessarily need to be, um, closely tied and, and all of these sorts of things. So it's just been so rewarding to hear that kind of feedback. What has been for you the lowest of lows? as you've been climbing your entrepreneurial climb? Um, The lowest of lows was probably in the summer of um, 2015. I had my, I negotiated with my husband um, where he allowed me to take the summer off. So I actually had quit my corporate America job and he gave me three months to get the company up and running. Cause I knew that there was so much potential for this company. And within those three months I had, um, not only not taken the company to the next level, but I had also gotten significantly more in debt. And so my husband had no idea how much debt I was in. He asked me every single day to start contributing to the family again, like we had agreed upon when we had first gotten married that I would contribute to, you know, our, our family um, funds. And I had to somewhat swallow my pride and go back to um, corporate America and get a job again. So um, I was in significant debt. I was questioning myself as an entrepreneur. I was questioning whether or not I was worthy of having a company that was successful and if I could do that. And I had to go back to corporate America. So that was probably the lowest point in my journey. But ironically, (laughs) um, a week before I went back to corporate America, I had the opportunity of going to New York City to pitch um, my product to three iconic women, one of whom happened to be Mindy Grossman, who was the CEO of HSN, the Home Shopping Network at the time. And um, she fell in love with the product. So while I had no commitment from her or from HSN that this product would be sold on live national television, I knew um, that I wouldn't be back in corporate America for long. And um, the day I started uh, my new job, I did not hear back from HSN, but I heard back from Story, which is a store in New York City, and they wanted to carry my product for their Home for the Holidays um, series that they were that they were launching. So um, it was just a sign <laughs> that 
things were going to take off, I just had to swallow my pride and go back to corporate America for, for a little bit longer to support my family. Let's go back in time when you were growing up and dreaming about your life as a young, as an, as an older woman, as an adult woman, what were your aspirations then? And, and are they aligned now? I think that we had, we had all the vision when we were kids. Like we knew what we wanted to be and do or how we wanted to at least feel when we got older. Then along the way, we derail or, you know, just end up getting a little bit lost but we always find our way back as long as we are in, ta- in tune to our instincts. But take us back to little Abby Walker as a child and then maybe also as a tangent to that, you know, your financial lessons growing up. But what did you want to be when you were little? So I wanted to be an elementary school teacher <laughs> when I was little. And um, honestly, I was such a shy and timid kid. Like I had, I struggled even to have like functioning conversations with my aunts and uncles. I don't know why I was so painfully shy, but, um, I would never have, um, forecasted (laughs) this journey or where I am today (laughs) ever. I mean, this would have been so far outside of the realm of possibility for me, even I would say through college, um, you know, I was, I went to school to be a teacher and then transitioned, um, and, and graduated as a journalism major. Um, but even then I think I was more comfortable writing than I was speaking to people or being, um, you know, heading up initiatives and all that kind of stuff. So, um, this is, it's, it's kind of like I've, I've grown into who I've always wanted to be, but I couldn't see myself being, if that makes sense. (laughs) Sure. It's almost um, like you were you were almost afraid to imagine this kind of a life because yes. it was so outside your what you thought to be your comfort zone, but actually you had it in you all along. Yes. And um honestly, like I and I talk about this in my book, um, my biggest struggle with getting Vivian Lou off the ground was my personal beliefs around um money and around me being worthy enough of uh, a multi-million dollar company. Mm-hmm. I could not foresee myself being a success. In fact, I felt at certain times in my journey, I felt more comfortable drowning in debt than seeing myself um, making a lot of money. Why do you and think so? so? Why do you think so? Um, By the way, I don't think that's unusual for women to admit that. I've, I, yeah, and I I think you're right, and and honestly, I think that goes back to another reason why I wanted to write my book too was to you know admit that I had real issues with seeing myself being successful, um, and then also having real issues seeing myself making money, um, and I think make the making money part was separate than being wor- feeling worthy, but um, I knew I had these. I was handcuffed by my self-limiting beliefs. And so um, I actually did a lot of self-work through 2015 and 2016 to kind of unshackle myself from those beliefs so that I could be successful. Can you um, share some of that work? How, how did you get through, out, through that? Yeah. And it's, it's kind of funny. So um, when I first launched Vivian Liu, I, I knew I, I was struggling with feeling worthy. And I reached out to a customer who had become a friend of mine in my full-time job and admitted that I was starting this side gig and I was struggling with it. And I had no idea why I felt compelled to call her, but I did. And, um, she recommended 
uh, EFT, which is emotional freedom techniques. And I had never heard of it. And I got off the phone with her and Googled it. And I was like, there is no way I'm doing that. Um, you know, in essence, it's, you tap on these meridians, um, on your, on your, um, head and on your chest, um, in an effort to kind of release stuck energy in the form By the of way, memories. EFT yes. also stands for electronic funds transfer. Yes, it does. <laughs> Coincidence? That's, I think not. Because when you clear like your head, that. you clear your bank account in a good way. <laughs> I like that. Um, so anyway, I, I started doing EFT and honestly, I was so uncomfortable with it that I locked myself in the bathroom because God forbid my husband would walk in and see me like repeating these phrases and, and tapping on my forehead. And you have to tap your, like, your like, no, different nodes on your forehead. and Yep. Mm-hmm. Yes. And so there are different, like you can do it yourself in kind of a self-guided format. And I was like, there's no way I'm going to do this myself. So I actually work with a practitioner and I've worked with him for two and a half years um, we meet once a week, sometimes twice a week. We chat over the phone. I have never met him in person and he has worked wonders. It has been amazing how much, um, you know, just stuck beliefs and energy and thoughts around money, um, that kind of trip you up on your, along your journey. And so, um, I swear by EFT, it has, like I said, worked wonders for me. I got to so. ask more questions about this. So, cause I'm so curious. I want to do <laughs> yeah. this. I, yeah. I think I'm going to experiment with this a little bit. I love it. If it's worked for you and I have another friend who is in, is, is doing this. Um, so what did you discover about yourself through EFT? What, what were your big, why were you unable to identify yourself, see yourself as someone who had the, the self-worth, the value, the, the ability to make lots of money? Um, <clears throat> it, I'll just be quite frank with you. It took a long time for me to realize what my issues were. But um, the biggest issue when it came to money was I associated money with my dad because my dad was the breadwinner in our family. And I love my dad. Like we have such a good relationship. Um, but I didn't want to raise my kids the way he did. Um, and so I associated having lots of money with becoming my dad. And I resisted that so much because I wanted to raise my family and live a different family life than he did. He worked, you know, Monday through Saturday. He was a, 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 an attorney, a civil litigator. And so he put in a lot of hours and a lot of work and, you know, he didn't make it to tennis matches and he, um, was home for dinner every night, but you know, I kind of wished he was more around more. Um, and you know, no fault of his own. Um, that's just the way life was structured for us, but I didn't want to live that life. And so I assumed making lots of money would require me to be gone Monday through Saturday, not have a relationship with my children, you know, just, I wanted a different life. And so I, resisted making a lot of money because I didn't want to live the childhood that I did. And I assumed that by making a lot of money, I would become my dad. Mm-hmm. That and you wouldn't so, have the time, you wouldn't have the ability, ironically, because you think with more money, you should be able to afford the resources and buy back some of your time to be able to do what you want to do. But Yeah. But I think a lot of these like memories and energy are, they're so, they're like deep rooted in the way you remember things as a child. And so like logically you could rationalize that. But I think like on an emotional level, 
it was, it was hard to rationalize that. Like it was still just stuck in me that, that, you know, making a lot of money equals this and I didn't want this. And so you, by doing EFT, you just clear out these really seemingly simple and almost silly memories and thoughts that you have around, um, certain blocks. And it's amazing the weight that's lifted off of you and, and almost allows, I know this is going to sound so woo woo, but almost allows space within you to receive more abundance. Like once you get these like stuck memory and energy outside, like out of your system, you have space to receive. And why I like your story so much is that you're not a woo-woo person. You're very practical. You're very strategic. Um, yet you you opened yourself up to this practice and it did, did lead to positive results. Can you share some of those direct correlations to your business and to your money that EF, is it called e, t, e, t, FT. EFT? I want to say uh-huh. ETF, like exchange traded <laughs> funds. It's EFT. How did that directly, how do you think, how do you measure the success of that? Sure. So um, it's because of EFT. So as soon as I started doing EFT, I also hired um, a sales coach and I had real resistance to money. Like I said, I was more comfortable being in debt than I was envisioning myself making money. And she quote unquote forced me to put together a projection sheet. And so she had me project out. Now at the time I was making $1,500 in sales a month, not enough to sustain a family or quit my corporate job. Like this was just not enough money. And I was accumulating debt with advertising expenses and inventory buys and all these sorts of things. And so she, you know, said, you need to project out a half million dollar a year. And I like almost choked. I couldn't even do it. But she came around. I sat with her. She came around. She put her hand on my shoulder and she's like, you're going to do it. So as soon as I became comfortable with looking at the numbers, even though my numbers were awful, I became comfortable looking at them and playing around with them in tandem with this EFT where I was clearing out all of these stuck old self-limiting beliefs around money. As soon as that happened, that was in the summer of 2016, um, sales started to take off. And I, I, I became, again, more courageous more curious. I started to play around with Facebook ads. I started to play around with Google ads. I was determined to make it work. And as soon as that happened, I was featured in, the product was featured in Oprah magazine, which led to the product being featured on The View, which had a special called The View Your Deal. That day I had more sales than I had the previous entire 12 months, which enabled me to pay off my debt. And then um, I had figured out a Facebook ad that converted wildly (laughs) well. And I started to play around more with Facebook ads. And after paying off all my debt, I was able to sustain tremendous growth thanks to Facebook and Instagram ads. So I feel like once I started clearing out that stuck energy, becoming more comfortable looking at the numbers, even though they were ugly it allowed opportunities to present themselves to allow me to make money. And I don't, honestly, I don't know if, I mean, of course there's no direct correlation, but (laughs) I feel like once I became more comfortable talking about money and and seeing myself being successful, opportunities started to present themselves. Wow. Amazing. So let's talk about your personal finances a little bit. Um, What would you say was your so money moment? Um. 
honestly, my so money moment was probably the day the product was sold on The View, which was September 2016. Um, I was averaging something like 76 orders a day, um, thanks to Facebook. And that day I had over 2,500 orders. And so that was just a quantum leap in my... <laughs> um, bank account um, in my belief that there is exponential potential for this product and the sales and whatnot. Um, and I had finally accumulated enough money to be able to um, replace my court loss corporate salary. So that was a defining day for sure. <laughs> That's incredible. So wonderful. So what's next for you? I'm sure you're thinking ahead. Yeah. So it's still it's still technically like the beginning of the new year. And so yes. what are your goals for 2018? 2018, we have some pretty significant goals. Um, now my, it's ironic. So while I love talking about money and, you know, top line revenue, um, my, my satisfaction and my happiness isn't tied to a number. It's tied to peace and freedom. And so I do things um, that align with my ultimate goal of peace and freedom, not necessarily with a financial goal at the end of the year. Um, but I would love to become more profitable. So while top line revenue is awesome, I want to become, I want to look at my expenses and figure out how I can become more profitable. Um, this past Sunday, we just launched a new product as part of the Vivian Lou line. Um, it's our Sophia Lou insole, which is designed for flats, not high heels. Um, we're also going to be launching a line of sandals later this year and um, possibly a few new products as well. They're in the works. Nice. Super and so secret. <laughs> what does your husband think about all of this as, as he was getting a little nervous in the beginning? Remember, he sent you back into uh, the nine to five. Exactly. Well, he's he has been a healthy skeptic, I should say, <laughs> throughout this entire journey. But um, in late 2016, he started asking me when he can retire. <laughs> So, oh, how nice is, for him! Exactly, exactly. So, um, no, it's he's um, so supportive and loves that I get to wake up every day and and get to work that you know get to work on a business that I absolutely love. But our um, you know our joint goals is he's not planning on retiring anytime soon. We're actually um, building a portfolio of investment properties is what our mutual goal is. So that's what we're working on. Um, outside of Vivian Liu. What's a big habit that you both or just you practice that happens to help you with your finances, your budgeting, your savings targets? Yes. So um, my husband handles all of the our personal finances, but um, you know he has this massive spreadsheet and we review that. Um, we probably should review it more frequently, but we, we review that every six months. Um, and then we put away in savings um, or, you know, either slash savings or our slash investment funds, um, it, it, you know, frequently. And so we have big wins when we put away more every month than what we budgeted. We're like, awesome. Um, so that's on the personal side. And then on the business side, I actually look at um, one metric every morning, and that is my cost per acquisition or cost per order. And so I track, I can track my profitability almost daily. Um, and so I wake up every morning and I crunch my numbers and I look at my cost per acquisition and um, adjust where necessary in terms of advertising spend 
and what advertising um, venues are performing better than others um, and then get to work for the day. How's Facebook doing for you today? I know they're always changing their ad advertising algorithm and all that yes. annoying stuff. Exactly. Um, Facebook honestly isn't performing as well as it has in the past. And I don't think that's any surprise. Um, so my mission for 2018 is my biggest mission is to diversify traffic. So we are looking at a ton of different avenues, um, to generate both paid traffic as well as organic traffic, um, to kind of lighten the load and the dependency on Facebook and Instagram. That is smart. That is so smart because yeah, it's, uh, it's just getting harder and harder. There's just more, there's more traffic and more noise on yes. this channel. So it's harder to stick out. Yep. All right. Ready for your soap money fill in the blanks? Yeah. <laughs> of course you are. <laughs> this is all you've been waiting for. <laughs> if I won the lottery tomorrow, the first thing I would do is? Hire an attorney. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no one's ever said that, but that is such a necessity. Good answer. <laughs> Well, the one thing I spend on that makes my life easier or better is? I send out my laundry and I have a cleaning service. Both godsends. <laughs> here, here. The one thing I splurge on outside of shoes, because I know you're a big shoe lover. Um, the one thing I splurge on that I uh, don't regret, that I that I unapologetically purchase is? My answer was shoes, <laughs> of course. Um, but we like to eat out a lot as as um, a family and with friends. And I don't – there was a time where I used to feel guilty about that, but I don't because I look at it as an experience now versus just food. Right. Yeah. It's a good way to trick your brain, spending more mm-hmm. money on food. No, no. I, <laughs> I totally feel it. it's It's an experience. In New York especially, it's entertainment. Yes. So you get, especially if you can sit at the chef's table or at the bar. There's like, there's so much great people watching and here in the city. All right. When I donate, I like to give to blank because. So I give, I support um, both Vivian Liu and personally support two organizations, which I absolutely love, Dress for Success and the Women's Bean Project in Denver, Colorado. Yes. Dress for Success is awesome. Mm-hmm. And it makes sense uh, since... You're in the fashion biz. Exactly. More or less. All right. And one thing I wish I had learned about money growing up is? Um, personally, I feel like the less you stress about it, the easier it comes to you. Mm-hmm. So I wish I would have known because I've spent a lot of unnecessary time stressing <laughs> about money <laughs> when I should have been taking action yeah. to make money versus stressing about it. Thank you for saying that. That's a, I think that's a lot of us. Um, well, because it's stressful, you know. It's things are expensive. Life is expensive. And <laughs> it is expensive. Your paycheck is not guaranteed, and so you know if you just. But I can see if you just focus on that, you you won't sleep at night. But there's a lot more that you can avert your attention to, your energy to. Yes, it's more fulfilling. Taking action is key. And last but not least, I'm Abby Lou Walker. I'm so money because I am worthy. I am worthy. That those tapping techniques are working for you. <laughs> they tapping. are. I am a getting your money's worth EFT. there. <laughs> I love it. I like this uh, this perspective and this mindset that you have. I'm going to check it out. I'm and I will report back. Excellent. Looking forward to it. Thank you so much for sharing your story with us, Abby. And we will be sure to have all of the links to your products and your website and your book over at SoMoneyPodcast.com. And wishing you. 
all the all the uh, success in the new year that you hit all your goals and uh, that your husband, you know, can retire early. <laughs> Absolutely. We're Thank rooting you for so him. Much for having <laughs> me too. <laughs> Thank you for having me on. Thanks Abby. Thanks so much to Abby for stopping by. Her website is Vivian Lou. L-O-U.com and use the code so money at checkout to get 25% off your first pair of Vivian Liu insoles. You can also find her book, Strap on a Pair, on Amazon. And she's got a ton of Instagram followers. She'd love for you to join her there at Vivian Liu for high heels. All this information is back at so moneypodcast.com in case you missed any of it. All the links. You can download the episode. You can read the transcript. And while you're there, click on Ask Farnoosh, because that is the best way to get in touch, to let me know how I can help you with your financial questions. Every Friday, I do try to answer as many money questions that come through Ask Farnoosh as possible, so don't be shy. And if you'd like to co-host with me as I'm trying to find more fun co-hosts to go through all the financial questions with, let me know there as well. Let me know you're interested, and we will get in touch. Thanks for tuning in, everyone, and I hope your day is so money. Money.